Hey, what's good, people? This is episode 60. This is Sports Debate Tuesday. And people, the episode starts right now. Oh, I'm all kinds of I'm all kinds of squared away today. What's up, people? Welcome back. This is episode 60, along with my man Rob. Keep it. McLean. McLean. I am Jason DeBias. Thank you for having us in your living room or on your iPhone or iPad. All right. We got a lot to talk about. UFC happened this weekend. Oh my god. God, UConn, they escape with their lives. Some people call it a heist. Some people call it that's just the way the game's played. So we're going to talk a little about a bit about that too. Um, to shame or not to shame, I mean, the Nets, are, the Nets are stacking the deck. I believe they just signed, um, well, Drummond signed the Lakers. I forgot who they just signed. They just, Lamarcus Aldridge. Oh, my goodness. So to shame or not to shame, the Nets, the Nets stacking the deck. But So we're, that's going to be in our one category. Maybe we'll, we'll do one minute apiece on that. But, Rob, first things first. The NFL, the owners are meeting, series of meetings, and they look like they're only a few days away from expanding the NFL season to 17 games. So I guess the question is, is 17 games necessary? Is it a good idea or a bad idea? No. I, I think that, you know, no matter what, that last game of the season, uh, unless they change how they do their scheduling, you know, that last game of the season for a lot of the teams, uh, uh, especially that are playoff bound, you know, they're going to be resting their players. Um, they're, they're, you know, it's not necessarily uh, the most impactful game. A lot of the times it is, you know, there's plenty of games where there's, there's, there's great games and great matchups and you got to win this one to get in the playoffs. So you got to win it to, you know, increase your, uh, increase your seating in the playoffs. But um, for majority of the teams, it's a, uh, you know, a rest game. So, um, to make the 16th game now meaningful and the 17th game a rest game, I think it's just it's counterproductive overall. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's for money. You know, that's that's really the, the the basis of it. And some of the guys who make a little bit less money can make a little bit more money. You know, that's all a part of the game. But uh, yeah, it's it's when you have a, a long season like this, and then you have a, a postseason coming after, it's uh, it just seems counterproductive. You know. Well. All right, for me, let me talk about some of the pros and then and then maybe, because I, I, I don't really have, I didn't come into this debate with a definitive answer like I usually do. I'm already set in my ways and then maybe you change my mind or maybe not. So they're getting, basically they're getting rid of one preseason game to compensate with that. Maybe they're just going to start the season a, a week early. I, I like that. All right, they got to play an extra game. You know what? That's extra money on 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 that player contract, right? And a lot of people who who may not play that last game, uh, um, if they're still gonna get paid anyway, right? I mean, you get paid to sit. You know, I mean, you can suit. You you have a fifty three person roster, but you can only suit up forty six. So the forty six that get on the that that get on the um get on the field, get on the sidelines, that's an extra check for them. Um, for the fans. I honestly don't think the seventh game is going to be any more or less uh, um, exhilarating or or or, or um, 
how could I, what's, what's the word uh, exciting for the fans? I think the fans are just fine with 16 games. You know what I mean? I remember a couple of years ago, they were talking about 18 games and everybody was freaking out. But now here's what I don't like about it. It's just one more game to load manage. It's like, congratulations, NFL. You come one step closer to load managing. And it was the one thing I liked about the NFL over the NBA. You only get to play one day a week and this and that. So you don't see people arresting this week. Oh, nah, I got, you know, I had some bad chicken. I'm, I think I'm going to play next week. So that's 14 days you don't get to see a player, depending on the Monday or Tuesday or Saturday or, or Thursday night game, whatever, or what have you. So I don't like it because you, 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 people, football is bigger than basketball and the other sports because they, people literally travel. And um, some, I mean, look, some people travel to follow their basketball teams. Good, I get them. 82 times, you get that kind of, kind of money. Good for you. Um, NFL, you know what I'm saying? They, they, they travel. They want to see their favorite players play. And, and because of 17 games, it's close, and because it might be closer to the end of the season, you might, be, you might see people load managing their 16th game and their 17th game instead of just their 16th game. Um, I think because there's only one buy, instead of two, I think people were thinking, or maybe ownership, or maybe the, whoever, the people, because um, they all collectively uh, bargained on this. So, I mean, any player that's complaining about this, they should have spoke up then. So now, now, now they got to suck it. But I think they're thinking the last week is more interesting because there'll probably be a fight for that, that wild card, that, 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 um, that, that first place spot, which is the buy. But I suspect, without any evidence yet, but I suspect a lot of those those first place spots are already be decided. <laughs> I think a lot of those first place spots will be will be decided before their sixteenth game. You know, uh, so I mean, uh, and since there's seven spots, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I just don't I just don't see the reasoning behind it. I mean. Do I want to see the Buffalo Bills play another week? Yeah, sure, man. Because when, when the NFL's gone, man, I'm I'm miss it. I'm missing it right now as I'm as we are talking to each other. So, so um, as far in terms of good idea, bad idea, I guess I gotta go with good idea until it's not. I mean, I don't see too many bad things about it. It's just it's an extra game and um, more reason to pack the stadium. More, more maybe a seventh spot. Maybe there's more at stake and and. Um, I think a lot of people who buy the tickets at the end of the season should know better. You know, like, dude, you know, you know, Brady ain't play, uh, Brady, my Brady might only play a half. You know, <laughs> so. I mean, I think there's just smarter ways to do it. You know, imagine, you know, all the uh, all the playoff teams or all the non-playoff teams have to, you know, put their top five players into a little little pool, and you have like a a Pro Bowl or like a you know some some little small tournament on the side for the teams who don't make it into the playoffs you know so you know the, the best five players on each team still get the type of wear and tear that uh you know a team going to the playoffs do or a little bit more um you know it kind of makes their team you know not think about tanking or you know just there's different ways of of, of uh i think addressing a fan's wants and needs to having more football than to have the same 22 guys get on the field again before again another playoff you know run that they're 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 looking to see so like you said i think another you know nail in the coffin there is they might load manage for 16th and 17th game you know and and you know i i don't like to watch those games i usually don't watch the 16th game of the season because like you said most of the first place uh you know the buys and the really important spots in the playoffs are kind of taken by now and it's, it's really just 
you know, a toss of the coin who makes it in after the 17th or 16th week, you know, and now the 17th week comes up. Um, it just kind of, I feel like the same issues are going to arise. So like I said, I think it's just kind of productive. Um, if they want to take out, you know, most of the preseason games, because no matter what, no one really watched the preseason games anyway, you know, so taking one preseason game out to put in a regular season game, I think is completely un- unbalanced, but, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they've been talking about taking away the preseason for a long time, um, or the uh, players have been asking for it for a long time. Um, but it's the way to get you know, behind hurt. You that's what I, I, I understand, though. If you think uh, take away four preseason games and put two regular season games in the end of the season, I can understand that. You know, first two first two regular season games don't matter as much, maybe. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I, I don't get the one yeah. game in the season you know I, I don't get it either i mean like look when they said they were they were they were doing a, a third wild card spot spot and having seven teams in the playoffs that excited me a little bit you know i'm like wow because because it was i mean there's so many times that we've seen some of these 10 and 6 teams that, that were deserving and that had momentum at the end i'm like god i wish i saw them in the playoffs i remember the jets mm-hmm. you know finished strong on a 10 and 6 and but was you know under bowls um they didn't get in i remember the tom brady got hurt and like matt castle led the patriots to an 11-5 record and they 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 didn't get in so i'm like man you know we want this spot you know and i know the cowboys fans wanted it more than anything because they always found themselves looking uh, on the outside looking in but what did i tell you what did i tell you even if there wasn't (laughs) they still wouldn't qualify for the yeah they just don't they just don't mix with the winners This ain't the week to bash the Cowboys, and we and before I even it's get started, <laughs> oh my God! Look, we jumping off the NFL, uh, and we're gonna jump right into the NCAA March Madness. We're we're bringing our attention to the men, and maybe a little bit uh, the women's game um, a little bit later. So right now we got two teams in. Number one seed. Baylor punched that ticket, beat a very tough Arkansas team. I had actually Arkansas. Um, I picked Arkansas to make it to the finals, lose to Gonzaga. And I mean, they went like eight minutes without without a field goal. So you do that against Baylor, they're going to burn you, you know. Um, and of course, the number two seed, the team no one's talking about. What about Houston? What about Houston? Houston is for real, man. I mean, the Hill serve Syracuse at a fewest points in their 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 NCAA playoff franchise history. So I mean, and Syracuse, who was bombing threes and just running up the score, man, hold on to forty six points. That's that's you did something. So, so number two, Houston, they they're already in. Number one, Baylor, they're already in tonight. Rob, we got USC versus Gonzaga. And we got UCLA versus Michigan. Um, the question, Rob, is who are the next two teams to punch your ticket into the Final Four? I'd like to go first on this. First, I want to commend the Pac-12 for, for playing phenomenal basketball like all season round. They're my least favorite conference. They're the most dreaded team. I mean, I live on the West Coast, and, I, and I'm still I'm still like, when's, when's Duke playing? When's Kentucky playing? When's Syracuse? Yeah, I'm ACC and, and um, you know, Big Ten guy. And, and, of course, SEC, the way Alabama and Arkansas has been playing. And I'm just like, and someone wants to talk to me about PAC. I'm like, PAC, shut up, you know? And here we are, Oregon State, who was picked dead last to, um, to pick – Pick to finish dead last in their conference or in the playoffs made the elite eight right you got you you got um oregon that went pretty far you got usc you got ucla playing tonight and it's the first time both program both programs have made the final eight the same year 
and can have a chance to take it one step further. So I had to give them their props before I say what I'm going to say next. It's over. I mean, it was it was a nice run. USC. I love USC and I love the way to recruit and I love the talent, but I can't stand their annoying their annoying fan base. Yeah, I said it. I lived there. I got a guy across the street with a big old flag. USC. USC. Your fan base is the is equal to the Dallas Cowboys fan base for professional football. So. I really, really applaud them making this this far, but I think Gonzaga's on a mission. They're going to get back to the Final Four, their uh, fifth season in a row that they're going to make the Final Four. And Michigan, the t- the other team that a lot of people aren't talking about because the Big Ten didn't look as strong. They looked. I, I thought the Illini were highly overrated, and I thought, you know, momentum-wise, they backed into the playoffs, and neither one of us were surprised to see them get eliminated the second round. So make mine Michigan, make mine um, Gonzaga, but I do want to highlight this guy, Cody Riley, man, who's, I don't know if he, this is a comeback game for him or I never left. 10 points, four blocks, five rebounds. Very, very important for, for UCLA to actually make it to this point. So congratulations to the pack, but I think tonight the ride's over. Yeah, I mean, this time, <clears throat> you know, I think I have to say that I'm probably not going to debate against that. Uh, I mean, Michigan was my my team from the start. And then, uh, you know, Gonzaga, you know, they just look, you know, pretty unstoppable. But um, if I were a betting guy, I still think I would probably bet against uh, the Michigan uh, Michigan Wolverines on just because, you know, UCLA has been on such a tear. And these tournaments are really predicated on, you know, who gets those ups and downs uh, and who just rides that wave, you know, when they get uh, when they're on that up. So I think, you know, UCLA is a really dangerous team right now. I, I don't. I would not want to play them. I think Michigan's kind of had not an easy road, but, you know, they've kind of skated under the radar for, for a bit. Um, and, you know, this is a big test for them. So uh, I'm going to go with, you know, Gonzaga and Michigan as well. But uh, I, I definitely think that the UCLA um, UCLA and uh, Michigan game is one I'll be watching for sure. Man, they've been balling, dude. When I saw USC got the sixth seed in their in their bracket or whatever, I'm like, okay, all right, that was generous. And then, you know, I saw the way they played first, second, first round or whatever. And then I saw the, the way they played Kansas and the way they just bullied. Because you see Kansas have these these choke moments or whatever, or these moments where they underachieve. But, you, uh, but it's always they drop the ball and they lose by six and, you know, they get dropped here. Dude, they got... Sweet Jesus, they got worked by USC, man. And, I, and then I was like, oh, my God, USC is for real, dude. And UCLA, I think we, I could say the same thing about them, too. So, you know, and I, um, and we, you know, we cover mostly professional sports, but I think we owed it to ourselves, you know, living in the South Bay to to highlight these 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 four teams that that just played amazing basketball and put the madness back in the March Madness, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. True cool man and, I, and anything you want to chime in on because i thought we went in and out of that really quickly oh no whoa 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 by the time we podcast episode 61 we're gonna have an ncaa champion so rob who wins the whole thing you still going with michigan i mean it has to have to um <clears throat> but again if i were a betting man wouldn't be surprised if to see you know i, I wouldn't be surprised if you know i i would probably go with houston i think at this point um just defense and uh, you got one guy that can score, you know, it really matters uh, in these tournaments. So I would probably put my money on Houston, but, uh, you know, Michigan. 
Dude, that team nobody's talking about, man. That team no one's talking about. Houston, dude. I pick Gonzaga to win the whole thing. I pick Gonzaga to beat Arkansas because I thought Arkansas would be playing the same way Houston's playing right now. And for that same reason, I'm picking Gonzaga to win the whole thing. Probably probably Houston. I think Houston beats Baylor. Um, I actually think they beat them by a lot. I don't think that's going to be tight at the end. I think both of these South Bay teams um, are going to be tight with Gonzaga and and um, Michigan. And I think Gonzaga beats Michigan. And I th- uh, Gonzaga is going to be my champ. So we're going to talk about that next week. Maybe some bragging rights. But you, I'm glad you got conviction. I like that. But I'm, I'm glad you, you your objectiveness, you left a little room. Like, if not Michigan, maybe this team will slip in there. But we, we stick to the courage of our convictions. And, and, of course, that's why we're on the show. My respect, kid. Come with that same energy next week. <laughs> All right, hey. College bad. This is going to be a short episode, people. <laughs> Until we start talking about mixed martial arts. Until we start talking about the UFC. And it's like an hour later. Ooh, this is what y'all paid your money for. All right, topic three, UFC. We have a new baddest man on the planet. Francis Ngannou from Cameroon is now the, first, uh, the third African champion out of in in the UFC with Israel Adesanya originally being from Nigeria and of course the Nigerian nightmare Kamara Usman who by the way was in his corner 52 seconds into the second round absolutely starched Stipe Miocic Stipe Miocic took a lot of punishment um but at the end one shot too many. Man, did he get caught at the end? And and, you, and I'd like I'm gonna give you the floor in a minute because I'd like you to walk the the fans like how that knockout happened and St- what Stepe saw that made a rush and blah blah blah. Um, so first question is your thoughts on the match and how it went. Um, we we thought Stepe could win, but we knew Francis Ngano had that one way he could he would he could or would win, and did win. But your thoughts on how the match went, and then we're gonna seem into. Um, what's next for Francis Ngannou? The floor is yours, Rob. Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> yeah, that was uh, way different than I thought it would have gone, you know. Um, even though it went how we kind of said it would go, uh, you know, Francis Ngannou, if you if you say at the end of the fight that Francis Ngannou uh, had the only two takedowns, you know, takedown attempts as well as uh, one takedown in the fight, you know, you'd be... <laughs> That's a betting man's game right there. So, um, yeah, when it comes down to that fight, I mean, Francis Ngannou looked like a whole different fighter. You know, uh, that's that's and that's scary. I mean, I don't, I agree with Dana White in a in a in a very small particular point that uh, Francis Ngannou looked scary tonight because if he if he fights the way that pretty much Kamaru Usman's fighting, where it's like. He doesn't have the wrestling, but if you're in the stance to protect, you know, those takedowns, you know, you, you can still throw off punches from there. And, man, he's got that. He's got unnecessary power. Um, Just it was pretty crazy because, you know, he was patient. You know, he really wasn't. It was the difference between the, the, the Derek Lewis fight, you know, and the Steve Aphiotis fight, you know, where you're not. You don't want to throw, you know. You're 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 scared of the repercussions of throwing, and I think you you felt that in both those guys. And it's crazy that they both talk about that, um, like mentally, what they were going through when they were fighting each other for five minutes, just standing staring at each other, ready to throw. 
Yeah, you saw a little bit of that, right? Yeah. That, strange you said that uh, you cited the Derek Lewis fight because there was a little bit of that. Very good. But, yeah. But there was, I felt like it was a complete difference, though, uh, in that, you know, it was, it was like steady patience as opposed to, you know, almost, you know, anxiousness. Um, you know, and I think they're very, very close, very similar uh, feelings, but they're very, they come from two different places. And, you know, he was just ready to throw when he was ready to throw. Uh, he hopped on, you know, he, he, there was big long pauses or short pauses between the, you know, his, uh, you know, explosive bursts. But man, when he, when he, you know, he hit, he, he, he tuned up Stipe a couple of times, like where I thought, you know, the fight could have, could have definitely, uh, turned for the worse in the know, first round, right? Yeah, when right. he had like back you know. position and was kind of wailing from behind, like shot, shots that Stipe didn't see coming. That's what I mean. You, you how, know, how are you gonna roll with something you don't times. see coming? Then he was on top of him, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so even both those times in the first round, I thought this fight could, you know, again easily be finished. Um, and then the, you know the second round came, and uh, you know when Stipe got hurt. And then rolled out of the cage and then hit Nuganu with that, you know, right hand, uh, with that like kind of uh you know, retreating right hand. I wouldn't say it stunned Nuganu, but he definitely, you know, it definitely hit him in the right spot. And so Stipe tried to follow that up. And then, you know, that's when he got clipped with clock with the uh with the left hook. But man, that was uh it was, you know, you could feel the energy the whole time in that fight. And uh I think the big change was that uh, when uh, Stipe in the first round had that single leg on on on, on uh, Francis, and it didn't, you know, Francis knew everything he needed to do to to defend against it. Um, you know, I think Stipe really knew that the the fight was different, and uh, if he can't take him down, it's only a matter of time. You know, he's got to take his chances when uh, when you know when uh, Francis is not like in in the right shape or in the in the right place. Because um, Francis, again, patience brings great positioning. And he was in great position to fire both of his hands at all times. He was able, able to throw a couple of leg kicks. Oh, my you know, God. I mean, his positioning was, 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 was perfect pretty much the whole night. So when he was in that little rampage mode uh, trying to knock out Stipe, you know, and then he came around with that right hand, I think Stipe just thought this is probably the time. And he hesitated even a little bit. Um, he, he hit him with the right hand, and he was like, oh, did I get him? And then he tried to go after him. Good, yeah. Left hook was coming. Smart, you know? right? He assessed the damage. Like, yeah. Right? Because, I mean, He's sorry. like, I stunned him. I think I, I, he's not moving forward no more. Tell me when it's my you turn. Know? <laughs> you know? But I think, again, that shows you that that the patience that Ngannou had the whole fight. You know, he, he got hit. He sunk right back into a position to, to be able to defend himself. You know, and, and that was able for – it was giving him – plenty of time to you know set up that left hook and man he just if he plants any punch on you in the right place you know that's 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 good night and that's pretty much what happened with Stipe and he still was able to get that that huge you know hammer fist down after he completely knocked out Stipe but um yeah what a fight I mean honestly it was a very high level uh heavyweight fight and I feel like as a high uh, you know a heavy a high level heavy, a heavyweight fight goes uh, you know, third, third round, fourth round, max. Uh, I think that's usually what should happen. I don't think there should ever be a, a heavyweight fight that goes decision. I really don't. Not if they get after it like that, you know. You know. Cool, man. Rob, very, very well said because it's given me less to say. So I, I will, I will steer it a different, uh, different direction as I start my little, uh, hopefully not too long, um, soliloquy. Baddest man on the planet. All right.
there was a sense of elation, but also a sigh of relief on Ngannou's part when he won the, when he won the title because he 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 lost this fight the first time they played they fought and, and and a fight that he thought he'd win by a landslide. And there, there is, and no matter how much you train on takedown defense, and no matter how much you train on takedowns, which surprised the hell out of all of us, right? It's like when I saw him do the take, him, him do a takedown, and when I saw him reverse the takedown and hit it with back shots, I was like, okay, I'm, I just called this match wrong, and it could probably, and it's probably gonna end now, this round, you know, round one. But <laughs> there was a sigh of relief, and you, 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 you were really, really sad for Stipe. Why? Well, I, I mean, for the people who follow him, I was sad for Stipe um, because you know, the title reign's done. But when you saw Ngannou's face, you couldn't help but be happy for him. Um, he was the happiest man in the world, okay? The second happiest man in the world that might rival his happiness was Dana White. <laughs> it was Dana White. Listen, boxers, the heavyweight champion, uh, boxing champion was always referred to as the baddest man on the planet until mixed martial arts happened, okay? Until someone that can hold a boxer down and make a boxer scream and cry and scream, I want to bang, let's stand up and bang, whatever that means. Um, Dana White is happy because when you hear the term baddest man on the planet, you're not as scared of Stipe as you are Francis Ngannou, <laughs> right? Stipe, you send your kids, take a picture. Hey, go get his autograph. And Stipe looks friendly, all right? I'm going to send my kid to get an autograph from Francis Ngannou. She's going <laughs> to... Do you... Well, I'm giving away my age, but I grew up in a timeline where your mother would tell you, if you don't eat your vegetables, I'm George, Form George Foreman's coming to get you. And then you're... Ugh! You start eating your vegetables as fast as you can. You you licking your plate. Clubber Lang, even fiction, Clubber Lang, like Rocky Three, Mr. T. I had nightmares of Mr. T coming to F me up because these were guys that didn't have so much muscle where they couldn't chase me down because I'm not scared of big dudes because they can't catch me. But now I think Francis Ngannou can catch me. I'm afraid. So that stigma uh, that comes with being associated with the baddest man on the planet, uh, it probably in Dana's vision, is more marketable. I'm not saying he's glad Stipe lost. I think him and Stipe, you know, they, they wore it a little bit, but I think they're cool now. You know, Stipe got his contract. He got the money he deserved, you know. I mean, even the Modelo Bear commercials said he deserved his, his shine, and now, it's, and now it's Francis Ngannou's turn. And Dana is so happy because the guy is so nice, and he's so scary, and he's so marketable, and he's got something every baddest man on the planet should have, a shot. One shot that can shake the gods. One shot that can, that can sleep the gods. His right cross is equivalent to being hit by a Ford Escort. This is science, my man. <laughs> this, is not, this is a scientific comparison that even if it fails, even if it's close enough, it's scary as hell. So more, I'm happy for Ninganu because there was, even though they thought, the pressure was on Stipe to defend his title. No, the pressure was on Zinganu. You know why? Because Nganu, if he lost this match, that's twice. And where does he go? Right? He, he There's no super heavyweight division in the UFC. That man, it is not pot. You know where I'm going. It is not. You can start laughing. Because he. you know he ain't going to suck down the 205. Right? So, so. 
all of this pressure on him and he gets his second shot worked worked back to it right he had a loss by Derek Lewis but literally knocked out everybody else by the way people everybody listening the man has a hundred percent finish rate in all of his wins he, he has 15 wins all but all 15 of his wins are finished you know, a lot of them first round knockouts. Stipe, the champion, ate a ton of damage that that we thought he wasn't able to eat. I'm I'm very very surprised. I'm also mm-hmm. very surprised at Francis Ngannou's chin too, because when he came in at Stipe, Stipe cracked him one. Yo, Stipe cracked him one, and and Stipe thought he had him, and Francis Ngannou said it did hurt, but not where I didn't see him coming and dropped him with that left cross, and the last shot was really not necessary, but. The ref got to get in there, and Herb Dean literally dived in there and saved everybody's career. So, yeah, that's that's what I got from the match. Now, the $64,000 question, what is next for Stipe Miocic? Uh, um, sorry, what is next for Francis Ngannou? I say it has to be John Jones. Both of them cleaned out the division, and like Alexander the Great, he wept because there are no worlds left to conquer. There's only one person left in this equation. John Jones has been training for months. In fact, I saw him weigh in at like 242, close to 245. He is swole up. He looks like Anthony Rumble Johnson on steroids, and Anthony Rumble Johnson already looked big, big as it is. It has to be John Jones. And um, I'm going to give you the floor on your opinion on that. But before I do, I want to say that I know there's going to be money disputes about this, and I know Dana is going to use the media to um, as a punk card, or social media as a punk card for John Jones. John Jones is going to want more money for moving up and fighting a guy who's bigger than him. It's his first heavyweight match, and Dana's going to probably stall him on some of that money, and I think he's probably going to put out on social media, you know, John's does, John doesn't want this fight. And then all of the haters are going to come and be like, oh, John's a, John's a puss. Oh, he wanted to fight Stipe, but not in Ghana one. Oh, he doesn't want to fight and this and that. So I just want to eliminate that excuse. The floor is yours. Tell me if you agree with me as far as what's next for Francis Ngannou as a champion. You know, I, honestly, I would love to see uh, Derek Lewis versus Ngannou. You I'm know, a purist. I'd like to see. That's right? what I want to see. That's what I, I want to see. see that. I, I mean, what I we're going to see. I what think the yeah. man, mm-hmm. yeah, I just think he needs to right his wrongs. You know, I think, uh, you know, Derek Lewis has been improved as well, but, you know, he hasn't really gotten his shots. He's got a shot against, you know, DC, which is kind of just like a completely unfair, unfair, like, uh, you know, fight. Um, he was caught on some not ready stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, it's kind of unfair for him, but. You know, I think it would be a great uh, in-between fight, you know, or, you know, even Derek Lewis versus uh, John Jones. You know, I think that would be a nice little stepping stool because, you know, the only way to really say that you're ready for Ngannou is to take out one of the people that were his weaknesses, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that would be a great stepping stool. But regardless what happens after, you know, if, if Jones does fight uh, Ngannou, you know, Whoever is the second, you know, the second guy in the division, that that's like the hardest, hardest place to be right now is uh, second place, you know, you know, or interim or ready, what's it, a contender for the uh, for the title for heavyweight because man, there are so many guys right now that you do not want to face. I mean, starting off with Derek Lewis, then you got Rosenstruck. I mean, you guys, you have a ton of guys up there that are ready to fight. Yeah, and, savages, uh, man. 
you know, in the yeah, top so five. John Jones uh, has got a rough road. Alexander Volkov. I mean, I remember mm -hmm. he fought Derek Lewis. That was a fight. He was up two rounds of zero before he got caught. And that's, I mean, everyone thinks Volkov is undeserving because he got caught, but that is the heavyweight division. People get caught. This is, this is why, who the hell has a consecutive fight winning streak in the heavyweight division? You don't because people get caught, you know? So, yeah. but I'm with you. Who I want to see is a purist. I want to see that rematch with Lewis. I think Lewis deserves yeah. it too. I mean, he's got his finish rate is just, just as good, almost as good. And in fact, the last time I checked, Derek Lewis won the last time they fought. So, so that's something, like you said, as far as uh, righting a wrong for Ngannou, mm -hmm. maybe he would want that too. Uh, last, lastly, um, if, you asked me who would win between Jones and Ngano before this. I would have said Jones because he's adding on the weight and the muscle and his wrestling is far superior to, uh, than, than, um, than um, Stipe Miocic and, and even rivals in many ways Daniel Cormier's wrestling. So, But now that I've seen this guy sprawl, now that I've seen this guy reverse, now that I've seen this guy sweep, now that I've seen this guy score takedowns himself, I know head oh, kicks. Just, just, uh, just, just leave the screen, dude. See, see my head. Boom. Left, left the screen, dude. Because I'm trying not to get it knocked off by this dude who can now catch up to me and take me down. So, cool. Hey, that's it. If I got, that's all I got for UFC. Is there anything you wanted to say um, before we left the main event? Because we're definitely going to talk about the other. We're going to repair on, um, you know, repair and replace on quick questions. So, some, but, but for this sure. main event. Something else you want to say about that? Uh, no, I mean, I thought it was a great main event. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought uh, there was a lot of really, really good fights. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was really happy with it. Uh, it wasn't like star-studded, but, you know, uh -huh. I was really happy. With they it. lost a lot of matches, but the top three right. didn't disappoint. I mean, Vincent Luque, we definitely got to talk about him, man. Right. Somewhere. And then that uh, that Von, Von Fluke choke on the, uh, the last of the prelims, that was dirty, man. Tyron's uh, never lost by submission too, so that was that was pretty pretty unique too. He's never, you know, he's got some losses and he's he's got, he got four in a row, but he's never said uncle before. The guy's not. But yeah, I mean, they were talking about it too. The like while the fight was going on, like he he's in a very dangerous position. He's not he's not defending himself, so nope. he should know better. Hmm. Oh my goodness! All right, so. That's MMA. That's the UFC. That's 260. We don't have another one till um, April 10th, so we're not going to really talk about that. But we definitely repair some on quick question. But for now, my favorite uh, part, my favorite topic is, ladies and gentlemen, I give you to shame or not to shame. 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 Okay, Robbie, let's do that. This is me, this is you. Rob, to shame or not to shame, the neck the Nets are have signed <laughs> Aldridge. Demarcus Aldridge. Lamarcus Aldridge. Um shame or no shame, the next the Nets stacking the deck to win the championship. I mean, shame, man. I mean, where is the where is the respect nowadays? Um <laughs> I mean, you got Blake Griffin and you got Lamarcus Aldridge. Like, it's just crazy to me that first of all that 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 a team is capable of doing that. Like, what what's up with the salary cap nowadays? How do you have five legitimate five superstars on a team? Um, and, and that's just that's just fresh because they got bought out in the market. Like, 
that's just that's just pretty crazy in, in, in talking about um, you know the layout of the league. And then, you know, even to, you know, Drummond going to the Lakers, you know, that's crazy to me. I mean, I think it's shame on all these teams because, you know, they're picking up all-star caliber players at the end of the season. I think that's just, you know, it's kind of like that's why the NFL doesn't allow that stuff too. You know, as the trade deadlines, a certain, certain end of the year, you know, you got to go with the team you have. So sorry for taking all the time, but yeah, shame for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm away for the horn to honk for Rob McLean and Rob gets to see my hat. Where are we? <laughs> Rob hey, McLean. Still a Nick fan. Look, I gotta go. No shame. You know why? Because everybody talked about how Blake Griffin sucked. And now all of a sudden he goes to this team. They're like, oh, it's not very good. This guy, DeMarcus, DeMarcus, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. Oh, long of the tooth. He's at the end of his career. He should just retire. He joins in this. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, my God. Cry me a river. Okay, the Brooklyn Nets. If you were going to cry shame. If I was going to cry shame, I would have cried shame when they got James Harden. Because for me, I switch hats. I turned on my Knicks card. Got my, got my, got my B, put the BK back in Brooklyn when I put this hat on. Because I, I like Kyrie Irving and I like Kevin Durant. So if I was going to say shame on you, shame, 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 shame a fool. It was when they, they, they made that weak sauce move by getting Harden. Because that overstacks the deck. But, but really, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Blake Griffin's a body. I think uh, Aldridge is going to give him some re- some rebounds, and I don't even know like who like Rob. My, um, before on, I go man. even further, do they have DeAndre Jordan already as center? <laughs> yeah, but Remind he can't me. shoot a free throw, so he's not going to be at all <laughs> available for any of the fourth quarter, pretty much. Okay, you know, and and the the basically the fact is is that you know, these guys basically underperform so that they could do this, where they could buy themselves out of a contract. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they get another contract from another team and they're getting paid double money, Hmm. you know? And that's, so you're basically double dipping and then you're trying to buy yourself out for, you know, a championship. I got to, dude, I got to get with their agent, man. I I hear you. Well, the thing (laughs) is, is it's it's these teams that make these these ridiculous contracts that offer these guys crazy amounts of money, and then other teams don't want to buy, like they don't want to trade for them, so they make themselves untradeable. It's just uh, it's unfortunate, and um, what really stinks is that no no other teams really have a chance. Like I'm not. There's no way I'm going to put money on the Bucks. There's no way I'm going to put money on the the Heat. There's no way I'm going to put money on any team outside the league other than the Nets and the Lakers. You know, so. At the end of the day, it's kind of just like, all right, well, we'll wait, wait to see the finals. It was kind of like with the uh, with Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors a couple of years ago. Like everybody knew, no one's going to beat those two teams. That's it. It's just going to be those two teams against each other, and you know, eventually, it's going to be somebody else, I guess. But yeah, hopefully, this team doesn't last farther than this, than, uh, this year. And and I have to disagree with you though um, with getting Harden. Uh, that's like a full three superstar team. That's a team that can stay together. I understand that they did it for a reason. You know, they they really shared the ball well together. When you get talking about Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge there as well, like I said, I don't know how a team salary cap can even afford that. Um, but on top of it, you know, you have a that's an all star team. That's an all star team on the floor. You know, I don't care what age they are. Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge, Kevin Durant. <laughs> James Harden and Kyrie Irving. That is an all-star team on the floor. You know, that's that is not good for the NBA. 
That's the truth. Oh, I mean, DeAndre God. Jordan, that's, <laughs> as a sixth man, that's 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 a, you know, that's a freaking all star team. I think I think I should be ashamed of myself saying no shame. <laughs> I think I think I think you're trying to shame me into saying no shame. <laughs> I mean, let's look at the Lakers though. Just be all honest. I know it's a quick question, but no, go ahead. you know, it, it, I mean, it's it shame, no shame. But you know, the the look look at the Lakers. You got Andre Drummond on the best day. Andre Drummond. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, right? Who else they got there? <laughs> like nobody's Kyle gonna go Kuzma, to an All-Star who didn't game. Take a shot they didn't like. Nobody <laughs> there, nobody else there is gonna go to an NBA All-Star game. I'm sorry, That's it's true. not happening unless it's the dunk contest or it's the, the you know yeah. rookie sophomore game. Like nobody on that team. KCP's not going to an All-Star game. Like mm-hmm. Marcus Saul ain't going to an All-Star game. You know, Dennis Schroeder ain't going to an all-star game. Like, it's just different levels. I'm sorry. It's different levels. You got five guys that can make their own shot. That's ridiculous. Five. Yeah, when the finals come, you know LeBron going to feel like he by himself. Like that last uh-huh. Cleveland game. Remember that last Cleveland game uh, series where he scored the J.R. Smith and, and stuff? J.R. decided to oh, just my. run. Dribble, 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 well, that concludes to shame or not to shame. Our next category, ladies and gentlemen, is quick question. Quick question. Hola. Rob, quick question. Drummond signs with the Lakers. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. I mean, that's fantastic. Thumbs up. I don't know if it's going to keep up with the Nets. Thumbs up. Uh, quick question, Rob. Who should be next for Sugar Shane O'Malley? Who knocked out a very, I mean, Thomas Almeida, I think is good. I know he's on a losing streak, but that dude was 20 and 0 when I, I saw him before he got started. That fight was pretty, pretty yeah. underwhelming, but. Yeah, um, I know it happens like that, but who's next? I think for sure? Dominic Cruz, um, yeah, or like a Jimmy Rivera, but like we were saying, I think maybe some of them old dogs need to prove their, prove their place. I like Pedro Munoz or Jimmy Rivera. Cool. I agree. But, Dom, with but that, since yeah. Dominic Cruz actually called him out, I mean, Dana is not as always a fan of giving people what they want, right? Two people want to fight each other. Who the hell is he to get in the way? Um, quick question. Oh, this should be fast. All right. I got to suck it up. Is it time for Tyron Woodley to hang it up? Hmm. I don't think it's time for him to hang it up, but, you know, and I think it's crazy that the UFC does this nowadays, but I do think that they're going to re- release him sometime soon and let him go to other places but i don't think it's time for him to hang it up i think that was the best i think i've seen of him in the last five fights i i think he should because i don't think he really wants to fight i think there even when he was a champ i think he took matches that because he had to there, there was yeah. no one that got him up to fight except for kobe covington and that was just that was the single biggest disappointment uh you know i'm, I'm since lewis versus Ngannou. um Quick question. The Niners acquired the number three overall pick and say they're going to draft a quarterback. Are they looking to replace Jimmy G right away? Yes or no? No. I think there's going to be a short-term lease on Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to try to win a Super Bowl this year with him and train the quarterback how to win a Super Bowl. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a fantastic move. Uh, they keep a quarterback in there that doesn't necessarily need to uh, start right away and you know yeah. that'd be great for them i say jimmy g when healthy um can get you to another super bowl i mean he almost beat the kansas city chiefs he overthrew that guy which would ice the game um may and maybe the coaching staff is put and general management is pulling a head fake on everybody for the number three pick because outside of trevor lawrence 
you 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 really want to try to get that wide receiver who who um from Alabama who probably is going to go to the Jets. So maybe I'm I'm guessing if the Jets drop the ball on um on our our wideout and you you remember his name from Alabama. Um mm-hmm. if they drop the ball on him, I bet you they're going to get they're going to pick up the wideout. You, you know, know, man, I'm telling you, I think the Jets are still looking to shop that pick, but I think they're going to take a quarterback. I think they're going to take Zach Wilson and I think you know the, you know, the Niners, Niners have to pick this dude. They have. To. Well, they're gonna they're gonna pick a quarterback. They're gonna pick a quarterback, and I think they're gonna pick you know between Trey Lance. Honestly, I think it could even be Mac Jones. You know, because it, it kind of you know goes with some some more of the 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 skill sets of what they have. But um, I think there's you know four quarterbacks in play at, at the second pick. You know, I really do think that there's a lot of really good prospects. Uh, even past, I think even. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence uh, is possibly not going number one overall. You know, I think there are some really good prospects out there. You have to kind of look at things sometimes, especially with the Baker Mayfield draft last year, uh, you know, a couple of years ago uh, with the Patrick Mahomes, you know, going in the you know, 15th, but yet he's clearly the best player that's come out yeah. of the draft in probably last, you know, 10 years. Um I think, yeah, it's, I think it's because it's Urban Meyer, I, I I have a hard time seeing them not picking Trevor. But but you know, but like you said, you never can tell. Um, Some players, man, you know, you know, like Deshaun Watson looked like the cleanest prospect out of college. Yet he goes what ten, eleven overall, and he's ridiculous. one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Ridiculous. You know, so it's it's yep. you just got to have to look at the things that either are successful for your program or you know that that you think is going to be making the best. So, quick question: John Mara said that. The, the Giants can win the Super Bowl with Daniel Jones. I, I quote, I say this without hesitation. Rob, quick question. Can the Giants win a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones? Yes, I don't yes know. Or no. <laughs> <laughs> yes or no, damn I, it. Yeah, I think they can, but uh, I, gotta say I, no. I, I still wouldn't, without hesitation, say that. That's, right. that's pretty outlandish. I got to say no. Um, quick question. Uh, do the Jazz or Suns Suns have a shot at making the Western Conference Finals. Oh, absolutely. One of the yeah. two, for yeah. sure. Because um, I figure in order for one of those two to make it, they have to beat the Lakers or the Clippers, right? So, yeah. Um, all right, quick question. I agree. I think the Jazz will, you know. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't, think one of them. Yeah, we don't see both will. of them playing each other in, a con- <laughs> in the Western Conference Finals, but I think one of them. Yeah. A quick question. Um, Watkins uh, signs with the Ravens. Is he? Can he be a number one wideout for the Ravens? Yes or no? Uh, yeah, I think it's just a, a tough signing because again, he has injury concerns, and he has all through his college career into his pro career. So if he could stay healthy along with everybody else on that wide receiver core, I think on paper with experience, he's probably their number one wideout. Yeah, I gotta go. No, I I don't think he's their answer for a number one wideout. Quick question. You, oh, this is the last one. No, 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 no. Quick question. Mike Woodson reaches out to Larry Brown, um, offering him an assistant coaching position that's that he doesn't have to recruit. It's just on campus and coaching. Should Brown take the job? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, he should stay in the, involved with the sport as much as he can. Absolutely. He's one of the best coaches in the history of basketball. That's what Popovich says. Everybody the who's, who are pupils under him or Jedi's under him. Um, of course, Mike Woodson's doing the right thing. It would be basketball malpractice for him not to reach out, whether he says yes or no. But I think Brown should take it because it doesn't involve recruiting if it's just basketball. 
I mean, that's that's a coach's dream job. What? I don't have to go after kids. Um, <laughs> quick question. And we we can go longer on this. Did the Baylor women's te- basketball team get robbed last night in the UConn game? Um, well, I don't think they got robbed. Uh, I, I think it was a foul, uh, which would put the emphasis yet again on making the foul shots, defending the ball the way down the court, and then having that team not make a shot, which, again, UConn was on fire the whole time. Um but yeah, I think uh, you know, especially in those plays, uh, and somebody was saying this again. Sorry, it's a quick question, but um, they got fouled early in that game as well. There was other fouls that maybe weren't called, and I know it was the last second of the game, but that doesn't make it as important or less important um, than the other plays earlier in the game. So, you know, some you know, not all fouls get called. Uh, I think at the end of the game, a lot of referees like to play the. Uh, I'm not going to affect the game. You have to make the bucket kind of calls. So uh, I've seen it a lot, and I think it was probably the right play. I say they got robbed, and I, I know uh, on a general level, people like to say, oh, one play doesn't decide the game. All all of these other plays that you could have got here, that you could have got there. And I say sometimes at the end, when both teams make mistakes and when both teams do something really, really well, um, both te- when a team had a 19-point lead and blows a 19-point lead, and then it's, it's back and forth, sometimes it does come down to one play, and sometimes that play should not be decided by the refs. But with that being said, for the egregious ones, I, I think the ref has to do their job on this one here's a picture of it actually this is a still shot that is just i mean they're just dude they're just making out right now man i mean that's a tough that's a tough still shot because you know yet again Mm -hmm. she when 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 she goes up for her shot she goes up very awkwardly it almost looks like she's going up uh because she realizes that she has two in her face she's going up you know in desperation and again in that point you know a lot of refs don't call that you know you have to kind of go up in a lot more clean a lot more textbook fashion to to get those types of calls so again i hear the the still shot and i know you know the situation that was being called but as a smaller guard you know and this is just basketball as a smaller guard going against big trees in the paint like their job is to stand up tall over you with two hands up when they do that they get more you know help from the refs you know as opposed to somebody that's jumping off one leg or two legs to try to go up and swap the ball so you know, at the end of the day, it is tough, but that's the way that the game is okay. kind of being yeah. refereed. I and mean, I think that women's refs do, uh, the women's basketball refs do a lot better job of uh, keeping an eye on the game than, than maybe sometimes the guys' basketball yeah. does. 100%. I'm going to show a picture because the ref that actually has the best view is like like right there. Because I was wondering if like some of the refs had a front or a back shot and some front or front or the back, it does. It looks like it's not a foul. It looks like the girl's just not leaving her feet. And I still don't think the girl left her feet. I just thought she stayed on her feet and was moving a little bit forward. And if there's contact, and if you're not sure who to call a foul on, sometimes you got to let it go. So I understand why, but uh, um, I think I doubled down. I think that probably should have been called. I think she was trying to. Um, no, I, I mean, agree. Like if you're... I mean, yeah, it it altered the shot. The contact altered the shot. So um, well. I don't even think that was the point. I think it was just that, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, when you're talking about the rule base, once a player starts breaking that vertical plane and she starts reaching into it, which she clearly does, you know, that's where I would say the foul is called. I I just say when, when you're talking about, you know, the total understanding of the game, like when somebody jumps awkwardly, you know, that kind of takes away from the referees being able to call them the foul. No doubt. You know, when, you know, when you have two girls, like you're saying, coming at you, I mean, there's – 
very few players that actually want to take that shot because most of the time it gets blocked. So Agreed. as a referee, I'm thinking they're thinking they're probably not even going to be, you know, a shot's not even going to get up in the first place, you know? So I just think it's, you know, those situations that kind of change that call uh, as opposed to technically is every single foul called the right way every single time. Yeah. No, but you know, these are the, I think the things that go through referees heads sometimes is, you know, they're, you're putting yourself in a precarious situation I'm not going to get you out of it by using my whistle. I Big up to the head coach, too, UConn, because I followed them long enough where he's been the victim on games decided by non-foul calls or whatever. And when he goes to the press box, you never hear him talk about you. He doesn't. You never hear him say one complaining word. He said, that's part of the game. You know, we put ourselves in that situation and they call it or they don't. And he's just like the referees called what they call. So even the games he loses, like he calls that. So he's he's certainly not going to like be like oh that they deserved a win or anything like that and by the way the lead was two right i mean even if she draws the contact there's no guarantee she's going to make both free throws i don't think either team shot shot from the free throw line particularly well uh, um for the series baylor certainly didn't at the end so and even then it's just a tie so no i don't think anyone got i mean yeah they i, I they got robbed on the call but not robbed on the win you know, I mean, right. right. I mean, if anyone knows about getting robbed and not getting robbed, it's my boy, Rob. Keep it McLean, McLean. And that concludes quick question, ladies and gentlemen. But before we go, we have one more week to salute a, a particular woman. This week, Rob, I'm, I'm going to go a small school because we spent a lot of weeks talking about iconic people. And there's certain certain people whose performance on the court or on the field or on off the field of court. Um, their philanthropy is, is well documented and their performance is well documented. But I think we can find plenty of women who who and whose whose play inspires the masses. Right. And, and it inspires them to do well. And it, but sometimes I get a little sick of talking about people who are being praised for what they do for themselves, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I'm not, so that I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to balance it out without, without trying to like cast any aspersions on people who are trying to get there. So, um, I bring your attention. My woman of the week is, um, for women's history month, small school, Upper East Side, Manhattan, New York, Hunter college on 68th and Lexington. The athletic director is Terry Wansart, a longtime volleyball, uh, female volleyball coach there, uh, absolute savage you know beat um like five top 10 ranked teams in division three um beat stony brook who later you know is now division one in five sets beat nyu and they're ranked number two beat ithaca she as far as giving people opportunities uh coaches opportunities she she was the pioneer she was one of the first uh people to hire a female head coach for the men's volleyball team you know what I'm saying? And from there, I mean, that was Lauren Katia. And from there, it was like April Jonas. And there, of course, Chi DiMaggio. Her and I helped build City Tech. Um, um, Jackie, Jackie Meadow, women's basketball team, later became the AD at City College, who also started paying it forward, giving you know other women like Krishna Das their, their opportunity. So uh, uh, let's not forget Justin's uh, wife, right? Um, Allison, or ex-wife, uh, Allison Gunther Stack. So... Um, right now, the current coach at City College, the men's team is a woman and she won coach of the year last year or before pre-pandemic. So I really got to get to this woman that gives a, a women opportunity to, that can do the job just as well as men. And also even making not popular decisions for the sake of putting student 
ahead of the student athlete. When we first met each other, she did not like me. I do not like her. She still does, probably still does not like me. Me, I, I'm, I'm too old. I'm, I'm, I'm over not liking and liking people. But for the sake of us doing our job here, I don't let my love or, or, or um, uh, dis contempt affect my critical thinking skills we have a job to do here right we don't have a set of rules for people we like and people we don't i gotta keep it real terry wansart you're my woman of the week hunter college yeah so i don't have any uh woman in particular i just think uh i just wanted to give a shout out to you know all the women that are starting to break into professional sports kind of like we were talking about last last week with becky hammond uh and then with uh these female referees and, and football um, I just think it's great because, you know, again, we talk about the African-American disparity in head coaches or in, uh, you know, especially in sports, because there's not a lot of women's professional sports that, you know, are dominant. And, you know, even still women's sports are, have plenty of men's head coaches, um, you know, but just the disparity in women's head coaches. And I know there's just from playing sports my whole life, there is a ton of beautiful uh, I'm sorry, of amazing coaches that are, uh, that do amazing things on the field, on and off the field. Um, and, you know, you never see them at the pro ranks, you know, you never see them in executive roles. Um, so uh, it's amazing to see that they're starting to break through, uh, getting at least into coaching roles and hopefully it goes into more executive as well. Um, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know, things are changing just a little bit. Um, Cause I know again, through all my time in sports that women have been amazing coaches to me, uh, probably sometimes more impactful than a lot of the men's coaches. Um, and yeah, you know, like a lot I, of I, our mentors, just, right. In our wheelhouse yes, for women. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, just, I'm love that it's getting paid forward just a little bit. Uh, and I hope to see, you know, more of that in the future that, you know, women can also step up and be coaches as well and, and do just as great things and both sides of the sports, not just women's sports, but men's sports as well. So, yep. Big up, man. Hey, that's it, man. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I had Travis Mirwitter on uh, last week talking about why we play, like the people who are in the qualifier. Like he's, I like what he said. There's something that's be said about showing up. You show up and you win or lose. You show up, you lose. You show up, you triumph. But the, fa the, the point is he showed up. And he said it's really easy for people on the outside to talk about why people should be there and shouldn't. But And I, I really liked what he said. And for, for everybody who listens to both the, the, the Option podcast and this, that was Travis last week. Tomorrow I got Chrissy Jones. Um, and Thursday I got Matt, Matt Olson, Matty O, two-time AVP champ. So you guys tune in for that. So, Rob, anything you want to say before we leave? We were ahead, now we behind. <laughs> Freaking MMA. Uh, go ahead. I just stay happy, say, stay babe? safe. Stay happy, stay safe? Is that what you just said? That's yes, all sir. I got, man. For all of you at home, that's Rob. Keep it. McLean. McLean, I'm Jason DeBeas. You know who you are. We know who you are. Love you to pieces. We're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionVB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.